Okay. So getting started as a buy and hold investor, uh, I have done a variety of things. Um, so I've house hacked. I still do a little bit of wholesaling. So contrary to some of the advice in here, I, I probably do too many things. Um, done flipping before. Uh, I've never invested in notes or syndications, um, but primarily I've focused on buy and hold, uh, short-term, mid-term, long-term rentals in the past 10 years, like I said, and very different contexts, different states in the country and different countries as well. So, and these are, like I said, the things that I wish I would have known beforehand because I just kind of jumped in and just things weren't as popular as they are now. Um, 10 years ago, I think uh, you had to dig a little bit harder for the information. And so I just went with it. One second. Okay, that's me. So my first advice is build a team. Um, unless you are from the area where you're investing and you already have this, this is probably something that you're going to want to do. A lot of the clients that I talk to, a lot of investors that I talk to, uh, they're interested in areas outside of where they live. So I think that this is a key element. And so this slide just kind of outlines some of the talking points that we'll go over. <clears throat> so again, uh, I know Scott's a big believer in this. Time is probably your most valuable commodity. Um, while I appreciate that you can do a lot of things yourself, sometimes you're probably not the best suited person to do it. And sometimes it's actually counterproductive to try to do it because you're going to end up having to hire somebody anyway. So what I've learned in the past decade or so is to just outsource when possible, because there are people that know more than you that can get things done quicker, more efficiently, probably cheaper than you could have done yourself. And so one thing that I would recommend, especially for people who are buying in places where they're not necessarily going to live or be there very often, get a real estate professional. That's one thing. Or connect with at least, you know, a networking group, a, a wholesaler, a flipper, know some people in the area uh, who can help you. Be good friends with multiple lenders, conventional and creative financers. Um, I have to shop around for deals constantly. I don't rely on just one lender when I do deals. It's nice to be able to bounce around. Um, rental managers, I, I actually have self-managed most of my stuff, but I, I definitely, my wife is a rental manager and it takes a lot of stress off of people, especially if you're not in the area to have somebody that's competent, that knows the local regulations, knows how to deal with tenants to handle your things for you, because that is a huge time suck if you're trying to manage it yourself. Uh, contractors, and one this is one thing that I've done because I have invested in places where I lived, I ended up doing a lot more work on things than I probably anticipated. Even while I was an attorney, I was working weekends and nights on things. And now I've outsourced almost all of that just because contractors, they do it for a living. They can do it better uh, and probably cheaper than I could do it, to be honest, because I have to redo things sometimes. And then accounting. I made this mistake myself. Um, I went with a friend who was an accountant, more of a bookkeeper, not even really a CPA. Um, but they said that they were an accountant. I got audited. Uh, after about two years of using that person. Now I'm with a, an investment specific accountant who understands my structure, understands what's going on. When I scale things up, he has no issue with it. Um, I can't you know, overemphasize how much that mattered. And he's able to actually save me quite a bit of money. Um, I'm just able to turn my books over to him. And it, you know, I would not even dare to try it on my own anymore. And then a legal team. So obviously being an attorney, I, I did a lot of my own stuff, but uh, I'm actually a client of Royal myself, even before I was an attorney here. And while I was a real estate attorney, I did more big picture things. I wasn't dealing with investors so much earlier on in my career. And so I fielded it out to a, a team of legal professionals like Royal Legal Solutions, um, just because it made sense. That was their lane. It wasn't mine, although I was familiar with all the concepts at the time. It, it wasn't something that I practiced. And then uh, last but not least is a title company. So I have 
<clears throat> a couple title companies that I work with. They're great. Uh, I can ask them questions on things before I even make purchases. I, I ask them to search things for me every once in a while. They look into the chain of title. Um, I think it's, it's probably an overlooked thing, but it would be a good thing to have a, a solid relationship with one or more title companies. Moving along. So market research. Um, I think that this is probably something that people realize is super key now. And I believe that people do this generally in the States, uh, where I've seen this lacking quite a bit is in foreign investment. So, um, in the breakout room, when I was talking with the people in there, uh, as I said, I've lived in Belize for a handful of years, uh, Mexico as well. And I've seen reasonably prudent people from the States, Canada, the UK who come in and they get overwhelmed by emotion and how beautiful the place is and market research just kind of goes out the window. I think if you tend to be in an area where you live or something that's very familiar, maybe some of that emotion is taken out, but seen a lot of people taken advantage of or just made bad decisions because they just ignored this factor. And so I think it's a key part of everybody's strategy or should be. And as I said, shouldn't be underestimated. It's crucial to success. And I would say that this should be as detailed as possible. Um, I know that people talk about analysis paralysis, so you don't want to get in a cycle where you're over analyzing things, but I do think it's smart to go in uh, with all the knowledge that you can have. And this is going to be part of getting that team in place where you're at or, or not where you're at, where you're planning on investing, because they're going to be able to give you on the ground knowledge of how things look, but you can certainly do quite a bit of research now on your own via a visit, or if you can't make it out there just via the web. So obviously researching home prices, that's an obvious one. Um, but you should also, at least where I'm at, you should research neighborhoods because home prices rental prices, short-term rental prices, that all varies significantly based on uh, area code. Uh, it can vary mile to mile, even where I'm at, based on what the industries are in the area. For instance, if you have a university, military base, national laboratory, uh, what kind of infrastructure is there? Is, you know, is, are the big industries, Netflix, Amazon, things like that. Um, those are all factors in who's moving in, who's moving out, what the rents are going to be, what kind of professionals live there, what kind of income is coming in there. So just understanding local. And like I said, it gets, it gets block to block even in some places. So I, I wouldn't underestimate that. And then understanding market needs and suitability for long-term, medium-term and short-term rentals. And I was talking about this in the, in the breakout room. I know short-term rentals are, are more and more common now, um, but you, I still think that there is, there's certain neighborhoods that are better for it, certain neighborhoods that are worse for it. Long-term rentals, same thing. There are certain areas that would be better for that. Same thing with medium-term, that's kind of in between. But just, like I said, do that localized research, see what's in the area and see what's going to work before you try something out and you focus too much, too heavily on one. And then obviously research rental prices, know the average time on market, know how long it takes to rent something, uh, know how long it takes to sell something, research vacancy rates. Uh, and then also, but not, not least, uh, is research landlord tenant codes to gauge the friendliness of local laws to landlords. Now, this is evolving. I would recommend that you look into it on a fairly regular basis, probably biannually, maybe. Uh, for instance, where I'm at, the law changes regularly. That's pretty common everywhere, but it is becoming increasingly unfriendly to landlords. And I am um, kind of keyed into the local like apartment um, association and I know what they lobby for and I kind of follow my local legislation to see what's going to happen to see what laws are being put in place and how it might change how I'm going to rent. 
Pick a focus. So um, I've heard this a few times from a few different people. I'm going to butcher the story. But basically, uh, the story that I heard was was a comparison between Apple and Samsung. And, you know, Apple, this is back in the day, Apple had just a handful of products and they were doing so well. Samsung was struggling a little bit more and it turned out that they had like 5,000 products. And so I think the gist of that story, um, which I'm horribly paraphrasing, is pick a lane, pick a focus, try to do, put all your energy into that, be intentional in what you do. Don't kind of scatter it. Like I said, I'm, I'm sort of guilty of this because I do a little bit of wholesaling, a little bit of flipping on the side. But by and large, most of what I do is, is buy and hold investing. And um, I would emphasize that you pick something that you enjoy, that you think you're going to excel at, and put most of your effort into that. And so, as I said, most people find more success by focusing on a single aspect. Diversifying too much can be detrimental and counterproductive. You're spreading your resources out, spreading your time out. Uh, while this presentation, like I said, is focused on buy and hold, old investors, because that's what I have the most experience with. There are so many facets and these obviously are not comprehensive. There's a lot more here. There's a lot within these um, even to be broken out. But as I said, you know, for the people who want to be super passive, you can have an LP interest in a syndication, or if you're a little bit more involved, the GP interest in a syndication, you could be a note person. You could be a person who buys houses and then converts them into notes. You could be a flipper, you could wholesale, you could wholetail, you could be involved in wholesaling in it to a certain degree. Um, and you can house hack, which is uh, for those of you that don't know, renting out part of a house or whole, could be a part of a house or sometimes like a whole guest house, but you live in the main house or part of a duplex, something like that. So uh, my next one is find a mentor. Um, this kind of goes along with like the whole like networking generally, which obviously if you guys are all here, you're already sort of doing that to a certain extent. So speak with somebody who already has experience in the same focus area, ideally that you're prior prioritizing. So that experience is invaluable. So for instance, I have probably several mentors at this point, but the oldest of them that I've had some conversations with, he's probably 80 now and he's been in the business for half of his life at this point. So he's experienced all kinds of up and downs. He understands my local market better than pretty much anybody else. This guy at this point has like a thousand units or more. Um, his experiences, his failures, they're invaluable. I can't get those. I'm not even, you know, I don't have 40 years of experience and it would take me that amount of time to gain all those, but he's willing to give those to me for free. So like I said, learning from other people's mistakes, developing the connections that you need. So by being connected to him, Obviously, he's been around for 40 years in the business. His wealth of knowledge is great, but his wealth of network uh, is also super significant. I've met a ton of people through him. And last, like I said, while I know that these type of relationships, you can pay to have them, which I'm not knocking that at all. I think that's great. Um, a lot of times these can be de developed free just by you know uh, going to different networking events, uh, just making a connection with somebody, to be honest. And then working with professionals that have real estate investment experience. And I can speak to this personally um, and professionally, really. So uh, while all professionals, to a certain extent, you hire an attorney, you hire an accountant, they're going to bring something of value to the conversation. Um, same thing with a realtor. Um, they're probably, if they're generalists or if they have a focus that's not on investors, they're going to lack some of the relevant experience and won't understand your pain points the way that a professional that has direct either personal or business, business experience with real estate investing. Like I said, you go to an attorney, even a real estate attorney, a lot of what I did um, in my past life, I was working for billion dollar corporations who were acquiring these 
tracts of land, timber, oil, natural gas, wind farms, things like that. While I had the relevant real estate experience, if somebody came to me 10 years ago and talked to me about buying a duplex or buying a small multifamily, I can't answer, I could answer your question, but not as well as somebody who focuses on that realm of real estate. Real estate is such a broad category. That's just one example. Another example I had is when I started thinking about investing, I had a realtor, great guy. He's terrific, but he focuses most mostly on just regular clients who are buying middle tier homes. He wasn't an investor himself, not really. Um, And so he didn't understand the price points, the rentals, what people are looking for in those houses. Um, And while working with him, I, it was great and everything like that. I had to learn quite a bit on my own. And if I would have just worked with somebody who had a little bit more investor savvy, it would have gone a lot more smoothly. I probably could have made better acquisitions, more acquisitions. And um, I just think it would have been a better all, overall experience. So those are kind of two examples from my personal life. And like I said, I kind of just jumped in, went with the recommendation that I got from somebody, but you know, it, it turned out how it turned out. So my first option, my first uh point there is shop around for the right professionals. Don't just jump into the first person that you meet. Ask for recommendations from people who know what they're talking about. And then if it's not working out, or if you find somebody that is more aligned with your goals, go with that person. Analyze your deals. So this goes into market research, but I think it is its own thing in and of itself. Again, I've seen a lot of people, this falls by the wayside. People get emotional about things. Um, To me, emotion is, is not a great thing to have when you're doing this type of business. So, <clears throat> so uh, remove the emotion from your transaction, use careful calculation and be intentional with your decisions. So find a metric that works for you. I know everybody has a different return on investment. If you go to bigger pockets, you're going to see all kinds of stuff all over the place about what profits should be, what expenses should be. I'm not even going to talk about that because everybody has a different metric. Find them one that works for you that is going to be realistically applicable in your area because Return on investment in one state is not going to be return on investment in another state. It's not uniform. It is extremely local. It's going to be based also on what kind of rentals you're doing. Is it long-term? Is it short-term? Is it mid-term? Those are all going to vary. So find something that's realistic and understand what that metric is. And then use a calculator to run numbers before you even make an offer and just know what what you're in store for. And then uh, obviously this goes into the, the, the emotional part. Don't get attached to a single deal. Uh, usually I have a couple backups when I'm making an offer on something or when I'm thinking about building something, I have backup options in mind so that if something falls through, I have a contingency plan and I'm not too disappointed about it. I never get too attached to one thing. And that is my whole presentation. And now we can open it up for questions. <laughs>